Hi, I'm Evan Duncan, the senior pastor of the Baptist Church of Westchester in Westchester, Pennsylvania. I'm so glad you found our podcast channel. On it, we share our weekly messages, and from time to time, you'll see some other things as well. If you want to learn more about our church or see how you can contact us, visit bcwc.org. Well, good morning. I'm Evan. I am the senior pastor here. Welcome. It's so good to worship together this morning in this new year. And hello to everybody watching online as well. Thank you for engaging with us in this way. Uh, after the sermon, we'll be participating in communion together. So if you're watching online, we want to invite you to participate in that as well. If you need to prepare, get the bread and cup ready at home, please do that. So I want to thank some folks. Uh, thank Pastor Zach for his excellent sermon last week. I want to thank Linda Moyer specifically for all her awesome work with the decorations for Christmas and the removal of the decorations for Christmas. Thank you. She loves to be in the spotlight. Um, and we're thankful for the work of our trustees as well as some of our stained glass is being uh, fixed up. Uh, it was much needed. So if you came in, uh, the Myers are not spe especially in the light today. That is, that is from outside. Don't worry. It's, the spirit is upon you, but not quite like that. <laughs> I brought something with you, with me today, uh, similar uh, to what we saw in the children's message. This is my high school letter jacket. I still have it. No, thank. It does fit. It does fit. I'm wearing multiple jackets. Later, we can we can talk about that. It does fit. In high school, it was so cool to wear your letter jacket, if you'll remember. I wore mine all the time, constantly. And then it was time to go away to college. I got to college, and the first time it got a little bit cold, I put on that favorite jacket of mine, my letter jacket, and you learn something. It is no longer cool to wear your high school letter jacket in college, you learn that lesson quickly if you didn't absorb it already before it got too late. I'm not sure I made it outside of my dorm. The reality is that jacket no longer fit my reality. I know one day, maybe my kids will wear it. That could be pretty cool. But, but for me, I will only wear it ironically or for sermon illustration. See, the thing is, when our realities change, when our situations change, we change what we put on. This is the essence of what we're thinking about for this new series. We're going to be examining how we respond to these root desires that are within us. Now that our reality as followers of Jesus mean that we can respond differently. Because if Jesus is king and Conquer sin and death invites us to new life, new life now. Reality has changed. And the way that we respond to the things within us and in the world is different. But if you're like me or like anyone, you might be frustrated from time to time. Because if you're honest, though you follow Jesus, you say you still don't like how you respond to circumstances sometimes. You continue to make those same mistakes, say those hurtful things. You continue to snap at your spouse or your kids or your co-workers. You think, I am a Christian, the same Spirit of God that raised Jesus from the dead is alive in me. And yet, I was so mean 
to that person. <laughs> Why? We don't like to raise these questions and look inward very often. In our culture, we never look inward. We love to look around and illuminate everybody else's problems. It makes us feel better about ourselves. But as followers of Jesus, bearers of the name of Christian, it's important that we call, show the world what it looks like to look inward, to take, about, uh, take responsibility for our actions, to admit that we aren't right in both our words and our actions all the time, and imagine what it might look like, how we might work together to be more like Christ. So we're going to look inward together. We're going to listen to Jesus and take him seriously. We're going to believe that he was on to something when he said we should worry about the log in our own eye before we point out to the speck in someone else's. The Christian church needs to hear and live that lesson again and again. So for the next seven weeks, taking us to the season of Lent, we are looking at seven vices and seven virtues. These vices are historically what Christians have called the capital vices. We're going to unpack each of these and see how they are a response to real and good desires within us. Rebecca DeYoung, in her excellent book, Glittering Vices, writes about this. She's a historical theologian, and she studies how Christians have engaged with this, this idea. And she says, this list, the seven capital vices, maintain its appeal because the vices powerfully articulate distortions of deeply human desires within us. So the list, I think, will be on the screen in a second. And there's nothing magical about this list. Uh, we have the vices here on the left. We have the virtues on the right. And in the middle, a root desire that both the vice and the virtue respond to. And I find this so helpful because, because for most of my life, as I've thought about sin and challenges as a Christian, we're pretty good at saying, don't do the bad thing. Stop it. <laughs> Good, and then what? In the same way, it's like when I got to school and I learned, don't wear your letter jacket. The problem was, it continued to be cold out. And if all we do is stop wearing our letter jacket, though I'm from Pennsylvania and I can wear a hoodie and gym shorts with the best of them in the cold weather, let me tell you, if all we do is stop, we're not putting on what we need. The cold doesn't go away because I didn't wear my jacket. And so instead, what the scriptures give us, what Christian theologians have given us, have said, hey, there are desires within you, and those aren't bad. There are unhealthy ways to respond, but there are ways that respond like Christ, and they are better, and you will feel better, and they will meet those needs. These are practices you can put on. That's what we're going to look at this series. I want to give a few notes about this, though. First of all, this sermon series is not about your salvation or your membership in the family of God. It's about your growth as a Christian. Salvation, we believe, is done by the work of Jesus Christ who makes us right. His work on the cross, his death, his resurrection, Jesus sets us free, saves us from sin and death. But on the other side of that, as Christians, we then spend our lives seeking after Jesus and asking Jesus to transform us to be more like Christ. That's what this is about. This sermon series is also not designed to point out your failures and make you feel bad about it. 
Instead, it is to help us build an ability to recognize the unhealthy habits and responses that are ingrained within us and begin to put on some healthy responses to respond to these deep desires. So we'll be looking in the book of Colossians to begin this series, kind of as an overview of the whole thing, but also to enter into the first main vice that we'll be looking at today, which is pride. I worded it here as uh, self-seeking because our English word pride, I don't think captures what is going on here. So we'll get into that. But Colossians chapter 3 will be in verses 1 through 5. The the church in Colossa uh, is a young church, and they're struggling with how they're supposed to live as Christians. What rules are they supposed to to follow? Who are they supposed to listen to? Who are they supposed to pay attention to? Other teachers have come in and said, actually, if you're going to be a Christian, you've got to do this and this and this and this. They're trying to think, well, maybe I can just be good enough. How come the things that we want to do don't always work out? They're struggling with all these questions that we struggle with too. And so Paul writes to this church in three verses one through five and says this, So if you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things that are above, not the things on the earth. For you've died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, is revealed, you also will be revealed with Him in glory. When Christ, who is your life, is revealed, you will also be revealed with Him in glory. In glory. Verse 5, put to death, therefore, whatever within you is earthly, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which is idolatry. And then down to verse 8, you must get rid of, take off all such things, anger, wrath, malice, slander, abusive language from your mouth. Paul is saying, you are different. You've been raised with Christ, and so you have a different way to respond, a different thing to look to. And because of that, you must put to death. Verse 5 says, put to death. That word really means to take the life away, to remove the source of, to deprive the life source, the things that are earthly, And then in verse 8, the phrase is, get rid of all such things, but that word can mean to take off, really, like you would take off clothes. It's used that way in other parts of the New Testament, to take off anger, wrath, malice, slander, abusive language. Paul is giving us a framework, a way to think about removal of something, and then will give us something to put on. And so the first thing that we're going to talk about taking off off is pride, self-seeking, vainglory, sometimes it's said. Now, theologians have argued about whether pride should be one of them or the main one that's overarching all of the vices. Pride is challenging. You see, back in the garden, the scripture says there was this temptation to be like God. And this is how this sin is described that we might try ourselves to be God, to be in control, to, ac- to achieve glory for ourselves. 
I hear that word glory, I sometimes get nervous about it. What does it mean? In, in the Bible, the, the word glory simply means things that are good and right. When we see them and notice them, that's glory. We, we give attention to them, and there's nothing wrong with giving attention to good and right things. But when we seek to get it at whatever cost, to put ourselves in charge all the time. Benjamin Franklin his autobiography said, in reality, there's not one other of our natural passions so hard to subdue as pride. We can disguise it, str struggle with it, beat it down, stifle it, mortify it with as much as one pleases, but it's still alive. And every now and then, we'll peep out and show itself. The scripture talks about pride all the time. Proverbs 3, 34, for example, which James will quote in the New Testament, says, God mocks proud mockers, but favors the humble and the oppressed. Pride is a problem. Pride is the desire to be God, to control, to be superior, to feel above others, to get recognition, whatever it takes to be better than others. The problem is our English word for pride is it's just not very good. Because there is pride that, that we all agree is a good thing, right? It's okay to be proud about your eagles or your giants, I guess, or uh, whoever else you support. It's good to have school pride. When people of color or LGBTQ brothers and sisters talk about pride, it's about elevating their identity when they've been pushed down and told they don't have value. That kind of pride is about dignity and value. God celebrates the value of all. But the word where, that we translate pride in the scripture, it's talking about this sense of being over and above to see yourself as better than other. To think you or your nation or your tribe is superior, maybe even to God. And then in your sense and desire to be seen as superior, you do whatever it takes to get recognition. Jesus will draw attention to it often with the teachers of the law. Like in Matthew 6, verse 5, he says, When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they've received their reward in full. But when you pray, go to your room, close the door, pray to your Father who is unseen. And then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. This is the sense of pride as something we do. Not only to think of ourselves as better, but try to make others think we're better too. I can talk a lot about what it means, but you know. <laughs> you know what it is to struggle with your own pride. I do. When you see somebody else maybe in your field excelling and you think, don't they know I'm better? <laughs> Where's my recognition? Compulsively trying to gain affection, doing whatever it takes. There's this great story of this young monk who was struggling with getting a sense of recognition all the time. He wanted people to celebrate him all the time. And he went uh, to the older monk and said, what do I do? The monk said, go to a cemetery. And when you're there, I want you to say blessings and I want you to say curses to everybody, all the headstones. The monk did and went and 
said those blessings and those curses to the headstones and came back and said, I'm not sure what I was supposed to learn from this. And the elder monk said, you should respond to other people's praise and criticism in the same way those headstones responded to you. But we love it. But here's where I think that we might miss it as Christians sometimes when we get caught up in this taking off of things like pride. We forget that, it, that pride is a response to something within us that is actually good. There's a root desire within us to be accepted and to be recognized. And you know what? God put it there. I want to go back to that text in uh, Colossians. Uh, and it says in 3, 4, when Christ who is in your life is revealed, then you'll also be revealed with Him in glory. Man, talk about recognition or acceptance. The word glory. Paul doesn't say, hey, you don't need recognitions or acceptance. Paul says, you get more than you could imagine in Christ. <laughs> this idea that we need recognition and approval, God has given it to us because God gives us that recognition and that love and that value. The response of pride, of self-seeking, it's simply us trying to build that recognition and approval for ourselves. God already sees you and values you. It's so important for me to remember this because, because I have thought about this pride thing a lot in my life and, and in the same way with my letter jacket, I would say, okay, well, pride is bad. Well, I wish somebody would just accept and recognize me. I have this need to be valued and loved. And, and there's a temptation there to just stifle it and say, that must be bad. Like saying to the weather, I'm not allowed to wear this jacket, so you better not be cold. <laughs> Instead, <laughs> this is what we miss. Instead, we find something different in the scriptures. Colossians 3, 9 through 14. Don't lie to one another. We'll get to that verse later in another sermon. There's much there. But, but seeing that you have stripped off, taken off the old self and its practices and have clothed yourself with the new self which being renewed in knowledge according to the image of the Creator, in that renewal, there's no longer Greek and Jew, circumcised, uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, enslaved and free. Christ is all and in all. This statement of Incredible value, verse 12. Therefore, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. You need acceptance and recognition. God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. Respond to that need with compassion and kindness and humility and meekness and patience. Bear with one another. If anyone has a complaint against one another, forgive one another just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. Above all, above all, clothe yourselves with love which binds everything together in perfect harmony. I love that image of love. Almost like the belt that holds all the outfit up. You have this desire within you for acceptance and belonging. It was put there by God. You don't need to reject it. You need to accept the love that God has for you. 
And so this is what I think is so helpful about looking at vices is they also come with virtues, habits and practices we can put on to develop a character so that when we feel that need, we can respond with the virtue rather than the vice. See, that's the difference between vices and just individual sins. Vices are habitual responses, things that we can build like our character. And in the same way, you build virtue by choosing to put it on again and again. Paul says this is the key to accepting and seeing the glory that God has for us, the value holy and beloved God has for us. We Exchange our old selves. We put on Christ. We exchange our old hopes and dreams and goals for worldly approval and applause, prestige. We can garner ourselves for a new life in Christ. A resurrected life. It's interesting to me to think about the Letterman jacket. I don't think there's anything wrong with a Letterman jacket. Let me tell you this right, right off the front. But, but it's an interesting idea, a metaphor, when you start to play with it in this context. Because, I mean, you put these patches to say what you're good at. <laughs> Literally on your clothes. <laughs> look at me. Look what I have achieved. Can't you see? I'm awesome. Can we do that? Try to convince the world of our value, whatever it takes. Get so addicted to others' praise, so trapped by other people's criticism. I think of that monk who went out and did that exercise with the that the elder monk sent him on. And I'm grateful that that poor young monk didn't have social media and Facebook and Instagram to say, I need people to say how great I am all the time. Me too. Put on the virtues of Christ. And that virtue is selflessness. To seek not your own interests, but the interests of others, to promote others, that by doing that, it somehow makes us more aware of our own value. So I want to give you some action steps this week as we go. And the first is an intriguing one, but it's, the, it's what the monks would have prescribed for those who had a problem with this vice. If you struggle with pride, they would say, you need to practice silence and solitude. Seems kind of counterintuitive. Practice silence and solitude. That doesn't seem like that's answering the question of pride, but it is in silence and solitude. That as Richard Foster says, we silence the audience that we're looking for applause from, and instead we sit before God. And let God tell us what God thinks about us. I want us together to confess our unhealthy responses to our desire for recognitions and approval. Times where we've been self-seeking. In a moment, as we will take communion together, may we confess how we've put ourselves above others in ways that are harmful, how we've acted in ways that are unhealthy to try to gain esteem. May we confess that together.
And this one's really practical. I want you to, to think of somebody you can celebrate this week and give attention to, that you can promote. And particularly somebody who's maybe it's hard for you to promote. So it's really easy for me to, to praise an incredible musician because I am a little bit below mediocre. It's easy for me to celebrate an excellent painter because I gave up that kind of stuff in the fourth grade. <laughs> but another young preacher, and I just want to go, <laughs> right? Don't we do that? The people that it's hard to give credit to. Promote someone else this week. And finally, you know, Jesus always had scripture on his lips. And when these root desires bubble up within us, it's so helpful to remind ourselves of how God calls us to respond, of what God says to us. And so I want to challenge you to memorize a verse in scripture this week. It's Isaiah 43.1. Uh, it's going to be on the screen here. Uh, we'll send it in the email and stuff like that on social so, so you can see it there. Uh, Isaiah 43.1, Now thus says the Lord who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, do not fear. I've redeemed you. I've called you by name. You're mine. Let us pray. God, I thank you for this opportunity to reflect on who you are and what you say about us, to look inward and be honest about the habits that we continue to put on that are not healthy. God, I ask that you would reveal to us those things that we would confess them. But we wouldn't just stop at pointing out ways that we have fallen short, but we would put on what you have called us to, that we would practice selflessness, Caring for others. And we would see again and again in our own reflection how you recognize us. How you give us your approval. And how the glory that was meant for Christ is shared with all who call him Lord. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Baptist Church of Westchester podcast. If you have questions, want to connect, or are looking for ways that you can support God's work at this church, visit bcwc.org. And as you go, through whatever your day may throw at you, I want to share this blessing with you. May the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ go with you wherever he may send you. May he guide you in the wilderness, protect you in the storms. May he bring you home rejoicing at the wonders he has shown you. May he bring you home rejoicing once again into our doors. Go and be the church.